We're in it. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Hold My Bread. I'm here, Matt Backus, with... What's up, breadheads? Gather round. Let's join the gluten gang. Welcome to Hold My Bread, the $812.71 podcast. Never forget those cents. Those cents add up. We've recorded the last two episodes about this being the financial apocalypse, how the market has changed by the impact of coronavirus, but somehow... Now that the Dow is up 2,000 points and things have stabilized, we managed to have our worst week in the history of the show. So congratulations, Matt. How does it feel? Honestly, it's been a long time coming. Uh, it's amazing that with, with everything that's been going on, it took us this long to get here. Yeah, you think the stock market is bad? You think coronavirus is bad? Let us fall in love with the stock. That'll show you what's bad. Of course, I'm talking about our favorite stock. We've talked about it every episode of this show. It really is the name of the podcast. Yeah, we are the Amarin boys, and we're going to need it because I'm about to have a heart attack. So that'll actually get the shares to go up. So Amarin, <laughs> it it is a company with a heart attack medication, Vasipa, and Vasipa projects to be a fairly revolutionary drug in the treatment of heart disease. However. Yeah. A Nevada court ruled that they don't have a proprietary patent. Other companies are going to be able to make generic knockoffs of the product. And so they they have no like direct line to the market for anything exclusive for more than two years. They're going to be knocked off like crazy. And they had to forfeit six existing patents. Matt, how does this make you feel? It is truly the worst news since this quarantine. Uh, it's devastating. I mean, they dropped, what, 70%, 35%, then like 70%. At, I think they're at 70% now. It's insane, the drop. And that was like a big, you know, that was like one of our big wins at the very beginning of this whole thing. That was uh, early on. That was pretty good for us. And it just really unraveled in front of us. It's devastating. And, you know, certain people you just want to cut out of your life at this point. And, of course, I'm talking about Noah Savage, our guest from a few weeks ago. He went came on the podcast, and A, he had the coronavirus and didn't tell us. And B, now that it's bad, he gave us the stock tip of Ameren. Yeah. And, and we went in on it. And we rode this high, and we rode this stock. We first bought it at $14.65. We rode it up to $22, nearly $23, and now it's selling for $5 a share. And then, I mean, they're going to they're gonna, uh, they're gonna, um, appeal the ruling, but who knows what that's, you know, who, who knows how long that will take. Who knows if they will even, if that'll do anything. I don't think it will. But they're going to appeal the uh, the ruling and and uh, was it the CEO or I saw somebody that said this is not the end for us and uh, they will definitely will will be back. Uh, so who knows? I mean, I have my own personal share of Amarin and it is obviously low as can be. Um, I don't know if I'm going to sell it off or if I'm going to hopefully wait for them to recover uh, at some point. I don't know what I'm going to do. Yeah, at this point, it is it's the share we have the most of in our portfolio for this podcast. 
And we don't really have a choice but to hold on to it. Because yeah. we, we know this drug will at least hit the market and they were rea- reacting to the bad news, but it will still be an existing drug. Yeah, um, it's like it's they're, they're not going to uh, they're likely to face it says right here. They're likely to face generic uh, competition no later than 2022. Um, I think that's I mean, this is just bad news. There's no way, no way, no way to really spin it positively. It's just bad news. Yeah, generic competition, the cruelest thing of all. That's how I felt like when I first did open mics and then Casey Salengo, Kyle Ayers and Brad Austin will be there. It's like, how many six foot blue eyed guys do there have to be? So I think in the stand up world, I'm a g- generic knockoff. <laughs> You're the Amarin of the comedy scene in Brooklyn. No, no, probably Casey's the Amarin. I'm the guy who's taken Casey down. It's like, hey, you can't be the only one doing that, partner. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that's uh, that was tough. That, what, that happened, what, just yesterday, didn't it? Yeah, it happened yesterday, and it's like, oh, it's almost, we've had so much, like, luckily we've gotten so good at swallowing bad financial news. It's like, oh, this stock will never be worth anything. I wasted three hundred dollars. No big deal. What's that to a G? Yeah, that's right. I uh, I my ass for three hundred dollars because I can't afford the uh, toilet paper. It's, uh, it's gone. Yeah, so. like it's kind of come the whole way around. Like I'm unable to work. The stock market's gone down prohibitively from what my holdings were a month ago. So money's gone from like a tool for my life. It's a purely a concept at this point. Absolutely. I, I know it exists at the other end of the New York unemployment turn, terminal called 500 times. Haven't gotten through yet. But really, like, it's such an abstract concept to me right now. I can't see money affecting my quarantine lifestyle too much one way or another. Yeah, I mean, we're at the point where, as of now, I mean, I, you know, you don't want to say how much worse can it get because it can always get worse. But to a degree, I mean, once you know we level out our 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 new, once we develop our new way of life, where can we go? Yeah, it's like what what do I spend my money on anyway? Do I, oh, you, I normally spend it on rent. That ain't happening. I normally spend it on eating in restaurants. That ain't happening. And I spend it on my dues for my weekly pickup basketball game. So that ain't happening. So I know it comes from a point of privilege in certain regards, but that's just because the cupboard is so bare right now. Yeah. Yeah. I, well, that's, I was wondering if my gym membership is going to come out of my account. If it comes out of my account, I'm going to be very pissed off. Yeah, it, what, what do you think the most embarrassing thing to level out on what would be? Oh boy, I don't know. There's so many things, you know. Um, well, have you have you ever have you ever hit zero in your checking account? No, that I've never done that. I I have before. I had I had no money. I went. I drove across the the state to sneak into a music festival. And I just, I walked in, I went with my buddy, he wasn't able, he just got a little scared as we were running past security. So I went in, somebody gave me mushrooms, someone gave me a joint, I watched The Grateful Dead while hanging in a hammock, and I finally, after, I I just have my whole little day, and... He's like, I get back to the van, and he's literally reading Dostoevsky, 
and he's like, hey, can we go? And I was like, sure, let's go. So I reached in my pocket. I had lost the keys in the concert venue. I had to stay there another day. I spent my le- I I tried to buy a tin of chewing tobacco, couldn't do it. And that's the last time I hit zero dollars. So I'm kind of in a certain place. I can't control my circumstances. All I got to do is sneak back into the concert, baby. There you go. Yeah, just keep sneaking. That's that's the motto of this podcast. This this see uh, this episode's motto is just keep sneaking. Yeah, we're gonna slowly convert into a looting podcast. So we started out on stock tips. Now we're gonna have like these are the best bricks to throw through store windows. Well, see, you say looting, I say asset acquisition. So yeah, that's why we because technically, if we call it that, it's a white collar crime, and we'll end up in a prison that's nicer than our apartments. That's right. We'll be roommates with, uh, you know, Harvey Weinstein, and perhaps we can finally meet Martin Screlly. Yo, dude, that's the only way we'll actually get to interview Screlly. He gave us the blue balls, but you know what? We're really dedicated to talking to you, Martin, so much. We're going to loot. We're going to dress it up as white-collar crime. Then we're all going to be cellmates, and you and Matt will realize you're more alike than you think. That's right. I'm just a poor Martin Screlly. I'm also hard to talk to. Um, I uh, We should write another letter to him. Let's do that in the next couple episodes. We should do that for sure. Yeah, now we finally understand what his quarantine is. All about. We, we're living the Screlly lifestyle for sure. That's right. I wonder how, you know, how do you think? Uh, yeah, exactly. We are also in a white, I'm also in a white collar jail as we speak. And that the, we're in the ultimate white collar jail. It's called our mom's house. Yeah, that's right. Uh, I wonder, they probably only have one flavor of white claw in prison too, I would imagine. <laughs> yeah it got so bad the, last week uh, like a, it was Friday night Matt and I smoked weed over FaceTime then we took baths it was nice yeah that was a good bath yeah good bath we weren't on the phone during the bath but we made sure each other got in the bath and today I did want to have the podcast live from the tub Matt I, my, my evening was a little bit busier than I intended so I couldn't get my soak on but Matt is in the tub right now as we speak. That's right. I'm I'm covered in all those bubbles. Yeah, we can we can hear the frothing. Um, of course, yesterday we talked of the great case of American treason, senators doing insider trading. We touched on how the practice was only made illegal in 2012. How it's one of Obama's legacies. But it turns out that, at least in the case of Kelly Loeffler, who is kind of the poster child for this trading because she was in the briefing on coronavirus. Her husband is the CEO. He's he's like the chairman of the New York Stock Exchange. And last week, we were pretty appalled by this. And the amount being bandied about was, oh, she sold $1.7 million worth of stock. Right. And she is not alone. There's a huge list. But like you said, she is the kind of the face of this whole um, this whole controversy of uh, of the insider trading. And it, the whole last week, we assumed nothing was going to happen. We, we were so upset about how there was no justice. We were calling for blood in the streets. And it does seem like that there is going to be an attempt, at least who knows what will happen or what will come of it. But there is going to be an attempt at some justice. Uh, with this insider trading, it keeps coming out more and more people are uh, are guilty. Richard Burr, 
is being sued um, for dumping his uh, stocks ahead of the coronavirus panic and all that. So he's one of the names that I think people should know. And it's so much worse than originally. I was pretty upset about it when it's $2 million, but a report yesterday, AJC.com, actually got her trades, and she sold off $18.7 million worth of stock in three separate deals on February 26th and March 11th, which is pretty close to key dates in the coronavirus affecting New York. Like March 13th is when stocks took their big dive. March 1st, they took another big dive. So she really manipulated it well. Absolutely. She, I mean, everything she was trying to do, she did and she succeeded at it. And the thing that gets me is these people are already wealthy. Making a few, at, at the level of wealth they have, an, an extra 20 or so million dollars doesn't really affect that much. Like at the end of the day, though, this is a national leader committing sociopathic behavior. Rather than look out for her constituents, she reuses it for her own profit when she doesn't need the money. Right. Well, you know how people, <clears throat> excuse me, how greedy those people are. You know, it's never enough, and they can always buy buy for buy a nicer summer home. Or that shit is real. I believe that a hundred percent. And they do not. I mean, she does not care at all. I don't even. She she feels bad that she got caught. I bet, but she doesn't feel bad she did it. I would imagine. Yeah, past uh, guest Sean McCarthy had a really great twi- uh, thread on Twitter. It was all about how it's kind of similar to the behavior you see on hoarders. Like, collecting so much of an asset isn't going to do anything for you. You're just compulsively hoarding it. And this behavior is the same thing with money. Yeah. Uh, you got people out here hoarding toilet paper, and they're just out there trying to hoard their millions and millions. What also is like gambling, you know, that's the thing. We, one of the things we talk about it as well is this is like gambling. And if you have an edge on the house, it's like they're going to she's going to use it to win. Yeah. And it, congratulations. You won. You lost. And really, I think um, this is probably cause for us to bring back the guillotine. Yeah. I mean, let's put her in. There's nobody in Times Square. Let's put them all in Times Square and let me throw tomatoes at their face. Absolutely. You, yeah, you just throw tomatoes on them if, if, till their heads fall off. That'll be our French Revolution. Well, I want to throw tomatoes and then I'll walk away. And whatever happens after I've walked away is fine. Uh, they sold st- They sold uh, sh- huge shares in Lululemon, TJ Maxx, um, what else? a bunch of companies. And also, embarrassingly, they had a lot of shares of Funko. Those little plastic dolls with the big heads. That's a publicly traded company? I was shocked to find out it was a publicly traded company. Furthermore, I was shocked to find out it was an American-based company. Wow. I don't know about you. I, I, I would always see them sold in anime stores, so I figured, Funko, it's a Japanese thing. Yeah, I assumed it was like a Japanese or a Chinese company because I am stereotyping. Yeah, but they look like anime characters. They have big heads, big eyes. And even in the past month, Funk, they had insider information on Funko. Right. Well, Fun- apparently Funko, we because they were down the block from Waltz or from the from Capitol Hill. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Funko headquarters and then Abe Lincoln's top hat, if you know what I'm saying. 
I hope that it just this gets big enough where the Funko CEO has to testify and we find out that he looks eerily similar to a Funko doll. He has a very tiny neck and a big head. <laughs> yeah, he's going to testify with his egregious proportions. As soon as he's done, some fat hipster is going to put him in a box and place him on a shelf. <laughs> for we sentence you for three to five years in solitary box. Yeah, Funko's one of those things where you see them on someone's shelf and you they never get get cool points for you. Yeah, I've never once seen one and been like, that's a cool one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean there's a there's a Matt Stafford Detroit Lions Funko and I'm like, oh, that sucks. Yeah, no thank you. They have those beady eyes, but they're big still. Yeah, they don't look like anyone. They're supposed to capture someone's essence. They all look identical. Identical. The one of Matthew Stafford looks exactly like one of a bunny rabbit. They need them to store them in the cases because you, otherwise you can't tell who the heck they are. That's right. I need a name with a face. Otherwise, I'm screwed. You know, call me old-fashioned, but I'll take a bobblehead. Give me an old-fashioned bobblehead, all right? I want it to bobble. I want it to waggle. I want it to twist a little bit, all right? That's yeah. all I want. I want a flick and a twist. Bobbleheads. Bobbleheads are so far superior to Funko Pops. I'll tell you this. It's not even close. It's not close at all. I feel like um, I have a bobblehead. It it pains me every day. But on my desk, I still have a Paul George bobblehead where he's dressed. He's wearing the Pacers uniform. I still have it because it's nice. It's cool. I still like it. I, I don't like him, but I like the bobblehead. Absolutely. And, like, if we're talking action figures, like... I like those McFarlands, the really realistic, like, football or basketball players. I got two of those on the dresser I no longer have, but... Yeah, you're, you mean your landlord has two of them. And you want to go outside, break my into my apartment, and steal my Calvin Johnson doll, you're welcome to do it. There you go. Well, your landlord's probably already got it. He's probably selling it for uh, for money. <laughs> Man, he ain't getting nothing. I'm, I'm ready to drag this out as long as I can. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, well, don't you worry, because I think we're going to have a couple more weeks of uh, the groundhog's come out and he's seen its shadow and it's covered in coronavirus, if you know what I'm saying. Yeah. Uh, what do you think the groundhog did about coronavirus? It's like, well, you won't experience six more weeks of winter because you'll be stuck inside. <laughs> he he, uh, he opened his door and looked out and then just closed it and went back in. So we're, even he won't come outside. So I think probably the enduring lesson of coronavirus is going to be the behavior of these companies and whether or not consumers remember how they treat their work. It's a good, that's a good point. That's a very good point. And it seems like kind of the more skewed towards a novelty item a store is, the worse they are. And probably the two biggest examples are GameStop and Hobby Lobby. Well, GameStop, we talked about GameStop last episode. They're, their goose is about cooked. I think GameStop is hanging on by a fingernail because I think there's, their stock has hit an all-time low um, recently. So I think they, they're currently trading at $4 and – oh, no, $3.34. Their market cap and is about – Three, I think it's three hundred million dollars. Their market cap. Yeah, well, let's put it in terms of like a GameStop uh, 
consumer would understand like at the beginning of the year it was like an N64 controller now it's down to like PS2 NBA Live 2006 and so a fun toe thrown in for, uh, for fun no pun yeah it came out this week that GameStop was ma- they didn't have any gloves to give their employees so they're making them wear garbage bags over their hands it's very hard to be efficient. They're like, why aren't you working efficiently? It's like, I can't use my fingers. I just have two black balls on the end of my hand. And, you know, if, if, if a customer asks you to demonstrate a video game, how are you going to do that with garbage bags on your hands? Exactly. It's difficult, you know, and people are always making fun of them, calling them garbage fingers. It's very, very, uh, very hard. So we got GameStop. Yeah. And what's, what's the other company? You said it, didn't you? Hobby Lobby. Hobby Lobby. Hobby Lobby. A monopoly on hobby. Bullshit. It has, yeah. yeah, if you need some bullshit for your aunt, it's at Hobby Lobby. You crochet. People buy their paint supplies there. You crochet. You buy some knitting needles, maybe a yarn. Maybe you need a yarn. You're going to Hobby Lobby, but you shouldn't support them. They're a bad company. Yeah, and they've already tried to deny paying for abortions on their health insurance. They've kind of given their right-wing politics. And like a caricature of right-wing politics, they don't care about their workers at all. They are defying state-mandated lockdowns in Wisconsin and Ohio by just reopening their stores without asking for any position, any any permission. Well, and you like, know, in Ohio and Wisconsin... Those people are already stupid enough that they don't want to go. They're not going to want to stay in. So the minute they see like, oh, Hobby Lobby's open. If Hobby's lo- if Hobby Lobby is open, it's safe. I can go out. So we need to lock down the Hobby Lobbies. And it, it actually leaked that uh, they sent out a men- memo to all store managers saying what to what to tell the police should they have arrived. So they had just like a company wide policy of how to lie to law enforcement. And somehow I don't support this. It makes me so mad. I know. Right. When that, when lying to the police becomes policy, it's like, that's a thing I enjoy. Yeah. Not paying for abortions, lying to the police. Like it would make for a great member of our guys group, but a terrible chain of stores throughout the Midwest. Yeah, uh, I, an employee, they have a quote from an employee. I used to love working for this company, but since this pandemic, I've seen how callous and irresponsible it has been. So Dang. this is too far, a bridge too far for the uh, employee at Hobby Lobby. And I won't say where my sister works, but she was an anonymous source for the Wall Street Journal and New York Times this week talking about bad conditions at big workplaces. <clears throat> There are some companies doing good things in the sight of all this. And on the other side of the coin, there's some there's some companies that have just been like pretty cool and you want to support them. So they make a great winter jacket. They're making a great impression on consumers with how they're approaching the pandemic. Columbia Sportswear. Um CEO Tim Boyle, he makes around $3 million a year, which is actually pretty fair for a CEO. And yeah, that's relatively low. And he was the first to do it. He cut his yearly compensation to $10,000. Incredible. Not only that, 
other executives are taking a 15% pay cut. So there's actually been a kind of uh, the CEO of, Mar- of Marriott, because hotels are so taxed. They took a 50% pay cut across the board. And it's funny to see that uh, these cuts have gone through the airline industry, but the airline industry is still too cheap to nickel and dime for any like convenient cuts. That's what they said, actually. They said, uh, you know, we're going to – these airline CEOs said they're going to take a pay cut, but they're going to have to charge Joel extra when he flies. So that's Well, that's way. true. I take up a lot of space, and I'm not so good at holding in farts, so they'd be well-to-do. Yeah, that's what the fart tax is on your tickets. So, first of all, the CEO of United came out and was like, I'm, I'm not going to get paid through June. <laughs> and then the CEO of Southwest Airlines, which is the second worst airline in my book, they really nickel and dime you, he came out and he said, you know what, I'll take a 10% pay cut. And then the Delta guy, he's just like, oh, you don't need to pay me for six months. So how bad does this does the CEO of Southwest Airlines look? 10%? That's nothing. Yeah, 10% is nothing. I mean, it's crazy. Well, 10% of for him is nothing. But the uh, Delta, I mean, I'm a Delta supporter. We talked about this last episode. I got the card. I like the miles. I fly Delta. Um it's good to see, you know, it's good to be on the, uh, I'm, you know, I'm sure that, don't get me wrong, I'm sure the uh, Delta CEO, what's his name, Ed uh, Ed Bastion, I'm sure Ed, like any CEO, likes to crack open a baby every once in a while and eat it for strength, but um, I think that it's nice of him to forego his, you know, six-month salary. Uh, it's a nice gesture. It doesn't help me any, but it is nice to see that it could be helping some of the people in the need. Let's and of course, your favorite company, Tesla, they also declared themselves to be an essential business. They tried to stay open. They downplayed coronavirus in tweets, and they are producing ventilators, and that's great. But from the cynical point of me, don't you think that this is them just trying to undo damage they've already committed? I will say this. There were a few tweets. I did see some tweets early on. Back This is back before I fled the city uh, of New York. Um, I did see some tweets from Elon Musk that I did think that these are, these are going to be very problematic here in the next couple weeks. And I would be surprised if they are not. I mean, obviously, they're probably still up. But I would be amazed if he hasn't deleted them because he did have some tweets that are not aging well. And uh, I think that they – you know, I think they would have made these ventilators without even even – um, even without the the need to make up for the comments, I think they would have made the ventilators. I think that's just Elon Musk likes to help. If he's going to help people out of these, if he's going to get these uh, tie, this what were they? Uh, the baseball or the soccer team? Yeah, but for those of you who haven't seen the tweets, Elon Musk called the coronavirus a pedophile, and <laughs> you know you just got to take this serious. <laughs> No, yeah. he he said it was no big deal as early as February, the middle of February. He, he was downplaying coronavirus panic throughout the month, and now they are leading the charge to produce ventilators, which is great. But you know, it seems like a little bit of virtue signaling from my vantage point. Yeah, I mean, well, I think it's fair to say that, but only not. I don't know if it's fair to say, but it's true. But it's also like I do believe they would have done these things they would have done these things even without the 
you know, I mean, it's hard for me to say, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, but they're doing these things after not one, not two, but three questionable actions in the face of this virus. So they're a cool company that's kind of valued for their values. So I think they really, they're doing damage control here. It's vital and it's necessary, but I think they're getting away with a little bit of something here. Yeah, well, given but given what other people are getting away with, I don't think it's not, it's not as bad. I mean, obviously, people are going to call me an apologist. I'm a Tesla apologist. Um, but Tesla, my stock in Tesla's been okay. Um, all my tech stocks have been doing have been doing okay. I mean, Tesla's obviously not great, but all my tech stocks have been good. People are going to say I'm an apologist for Elon Musk, and maybe I am, but I think um, he was going. They would have made these ventilators anyway. Uh, I think the fact that they are um, making up for the the comments detracts from it a bit, but uh, I think it would have been a, a thing they did anyway. So. Yeah. However. I don't think such a thing as corporate altruism exists. These companies, they are the tools of capitalism. They exist to make as big a profit margin as possible, unless they're Twitter. Shout out to my boy, Jack Dorsey. But all these CEOs taking pay cuts, it's reported on. The company looks good. The CEO looks good. But what most people don't realize is that the majority of CEO compensation doesn't come in the form of income it comes in stocks right a lot of the uh way they get paid is through stock options <clears throat> so, so really like we don't know the deal that the columbia sportswear ceo has but you know if he was able to keep the company on track he'll probably get a he'll probably get his in the end it, they'll make more money because of his actions because it's important to look good in these times. Right. It's an investment in himself. And rather than like focus on these CEOs, like I think a thing, a good thing that can come out of this is just the perception of retail workers as a whole. I've worked retail before. It wasn't good for my self-worth. People were mean. People were aggressive. I had to clean up hot dogs that people would just hide throughout the store. And I hope that changes. Yeah. Trader, uh, Trader Joe's, um, a place where I, I worked, and they're, they're going to do hazard pay. For, but didn't they just have a big issue with uh, – were there rumblings of union strikes and things like that? Wasn't that going on? Yeah, there were talks of – them having a walkout. There have been general strikes at like Amazon warehouses, Domino's Pizza, and you know they're loaded things. But the Trader Joe's workforce, it's young. It's an enjoyable place to work, and it's nice to see that like this is circulated by the citizens of New York, not not the employees themselves. So I thought that was a cool part about the petition. Yeah, that is cool. It's nice to see the community using places get behind them. I think that is one thing that's been brought out a lot in people during this whole time is I think people are being nicer to a lot of people that they would have maybe just blown past in everyday life a couple of uh, weeks ago. Yeah, and I I think it's an even bigger gesture for me. I make sure to 
still talk down to retail employees. I occasionally put a cigarette out on them. I spit on the floor when they're mopping. And I feel I, re- I feel like my rudeness can give them a much needed sense of normalcy. Okay, that joke didn't land. Matt is upset with my morals. And I'm just going to sit in it. I shouldn't have joked about being bad. I shouldn't have joked about spitting on the floor. But the truth is, this is how I treat retail employees. Matt, did I lose you? You might have to save this and cut them together. Okay. I, I did a bit, and then you fell out. Yeah, the whole thing. I, I missed the whole bit. Did the bit record? Yeah, the bit recorded, and I sat in it. So let's. Just, I I took my punishment for it. Oh so my I think god! Fine. You, you, Keep you on going. Like a robot. You sounded like a beep boop boop beep boop boop beep boop. That's all I heard. I was probably censored for being so <laughs> unlikable. Oh boy! Well, as long as the uh, the listeners can hear the uh, bit, I didn't uh, I didn't catch it, but I'm sure it was great. You can edit I- in my laughter. No, I think that was just artificial intelligence being like, hey, does Joel really want this audio of that where he's saying during a pandemic he goes and puts cigarettes out on retail workers out there? No, the does not. I, heard, so. I do miss uh, being able to talk down to my Uber drivers. You know, I really miss that. That's no, I'm just kidding. I'm very nice to Uber drivers. I also don't even use Uber. I'm a Lyft man. So either way. Oh, I'm Uber all the way. I feel, I I feel bad. The, my my plane ride when I flew to Indiana, the lift I took a lift to the airport, and the lift driver I had was super nice. This is the first time I've thought about him since that plane, that that car ride. I hope he's okay. He was a very nice man. Well, you know, we hope our Uber Uber drivers are safe. We hope our Trader Joe's cashiers are safe, and we hope our cruise ship passion pass, passengers are safe. So. At the beginning, when we heard about the coronavirus, there were all these stories about, oh, there are these cruise ships. People can't get off. And as the story went around the world, the attention attention turned other places. And these passengers are still on the same cruise ships. Um, how, how many days at sea is this? Um, I think it's about 90 days at sea for some of these people. they uh, at least 189 people on the ship have gotten coronavirus. Four have died, and it's just sitting outside Fort Lauderdale, Lauderdale in the port. They've been able to see land for a month, and no one will let them off the boat. Oh boy, the only thing worse than being stuck in Florida is being stuck just outside of Florida. <laughs> Begging to get in, please let us in. No one's ever begged to get into Florida ever. Uh, yeah, they've. It's kind of like it's a. It's like a theme park for being a Cuban refugee. That's right, exactly. It'll make people appreciate it. Yeah, we'll put you on a, a an unsafe boat, and you can almost get to Florida. Yeah, Ta-da! Make it. Not, and some of you will die. We'll call it the Elian Gonzalez experience. <laughs> oh, God. It, yeah, just wait till it, it gives a whole new meaning to trapped in the closet. <laughs> well, you know, uh, yeah, interesting. I mean, so yeah, that's and that's. I mean, that's the only. I only know of that one story, but there's got to be others. There's got to be tons of, of tons of uh, boats out there with that are just stacked with stacked with diseased people that are trying to get off their boat and trying to get home. And it's, it's. I can't even imagine. I mean, traditionally, boats are where you stack diseased people. So 
That's just what they're used for. Right. It's, you know, a lot of space in the galley. That's where they eat, I believe. I don't know. Yeah, the galley is where you eat. The poop deck is where you pee, surprisingly enough. Um, and, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I did take a sailing class in college, but it was just because you got to go on a sailing trip. Like, I dicked around in that class so much. You had a, Where did you take a, a sailing class? I went to USC, the University of Southern California, and I knew if you took this class, you would get to sail to Catalina and spend the night there. Yeah. I did that. It was awesome. And the we didn't have a professor. We had Captain Ron. He was this like 65-year-old guy from Nova Scotia. He built his own sailboat. He sailed to Southern California and he'd just been teaching the class for 30 years wow yeah but I really was just far too silly like one day we had a class on February 14th and he's like any questions I raised my hand and I said Captain Ron will you be my valentine and then I took out a 16 by 20 valentine I photoshopped myself with a bunch of hearts, and I, pre- I like presented it to him in front of the entire class. And how did Captain? How did the captain receive this? Well, he called his wife the admiral and said she wasn't too pleased about it. Ah, so the admiral. The admiral would not approve. Yeah, that's what he called his wife, who was one of the all-time flexes. It was such a great move. Worked incredibly. I tried to use that nickname in a relationship that didn't work out, and that's what I get for plagiarism. <laughs> well, did you get a uh, did you get a a rank in the class? I only got one rank. We one I I set it up. I just kind of like to give this guy attention. <laughs> one week, we all brought him a different can of soup. And he liked my soup the least. I brought him a can of Chunky, but really, he preferred the cheapo can of mush- cream of mushroom soup someone else brought him. Oh, boy. What, who, this is Captain Ron or someone this, else? This is Captain Ron. Him and the Admiral, they favor cream of mushroom soup. Well, that's why he wouldn't be your Valentine. You brought him the worst soup. No, I brought him the Chunky. Well, he didn't think it was good, apparently. Yeah, he didn't think it was good. He's got Captain Ron has problematic soup opinions. I've been saying it for years. That's well, you know, it's good that you don't see Ron Captain Ron anymore. He's actually it's amazing he doesn't like clam chowder. Well, you know, you don't want to trust clam chowder from a can. I love eating mollusks, but even I know that's a no go. That's true. That's what they teach you day one in sailing class is don't eat clams from a can. <laughs> yeah, I was too busy making making Valentines to realize it. Did when you so when you sailed the Catalina, did you have to sail the boat? <laughs> yeah, I did. I was a good sailor. I, at the time, I was the only one who didn't get seasick. And now, in my thirties, I get seasick every time. Did you hoist the jib and all that? Yeah, I did. I, I was a good sail worker, guy, because I just get it's all you need is. Strong forearms. All right. And then you're ready for ooh, excuse me, I'm yawning. Then you're ready for deadliest catch. I mean the, for me, the deadliest catch is seed sickness. That's what you don't want. <laughs> That's right. It's the worst. 
And I think um, probably the poster child company for this whole coronavirus outbreak has been Zoom. It's gone up 120% in value this year in terms of market cap. I was eyeballing it in early March for $100 a share. I'm an idiot. It's now $160 a share. You get nowhere in this life if you're a coward. I don't listen to my gut, but I listen to Noah fucking Savage. What's wrong with me? You can't listen to his gut. It's full of wine. Yeah, what can I do? Um, Yeah, there was that whole thing where they had to freeze the Zoom stock because people were buying the wrong one. Did you see that? Yeah, Zoom had gone up, and also the stock that was ZM went up incredibly. Um, Yeah, it's... uh, well, Zoom is up 120% year-to-date. But Zoom is actually having a lot of problems recently. Um, so they were stopped by the Attorney General of New York, the Southern District, one of the more influential like Attorney General districts. You'll see it on Billions. And Zoom was actually giving all your information away to Facebook whether or not you had any relationship with Facebook. If you didn't have a Facebook, they still gave them your information. Wow, that's interesting. I did, See, I don't have a Zoom. I'm not too up on, on, on them. They really came out of nowhere for, for a lot of people, obviously. So, But I have seen a lot of people using them. I mean, it's they, it seems to be the corporate choice for um, for the for everyone working at home. It seems to be the choice that everyone's using for meetings. But uh, there are a lot of stories of them not even just having like that's obviously an issue in itself but there's actually issues of other users bullying and and trolling other streams isn't that right yeah i love it probably the poster child well zoom had a long way to go because way back in 2015 a man was sent to prison for broadcasting the rape of a boy on zoom And at that point in time, Zoom was referred to as the Netflix of child pornography, which is great because that implies that Roman Polanski is on both. (laughs) I forget forget he's alive sometimes. It's crazy. Yeah, he's alive. He's still working. And, you know, now there's been all these great stories about – People now that the entire workforce is on Zoom, there's all these public meetings for like for shareholders for corporate events. And Chipotle, they co hosted a meeting with they got some big musician to come and they were talking to all their employees. And then one participant joined, started a screen share, and just broadcasted pornography to thousands of attendees. Oh, how do they? I mean, who let that happen? Who is running IT at Chipotle or wherever that they let they just let anyone into the Zoom? How does somebody get in? Do they hack their way in? Yeah, well, a lot of times you have to make it public, and if a lot of people are contributing, you can set it where one person can put up their monitor. But for it to be a big public meeting, is they could just like anyone can screen share. So once you do that, you are. You're really opening yourself up to holes. Wild. Uh, literally holes. Yeah, well, <laughs> and I think it's great. Um, well, not great, but a lot of alcoholics have taken to broad, doing Zoom Alcoholics Anonymous meetings. 
This they is give a hard each time for a lot of people, especially with with uh, addiction issues. And you think it's hilarious, huh? No, it, I think it's hilarious. There's a lot of trolls in the AA meetings, and apparently they've just been mostly 12-year-old kids going into these meetings, taking the mic and just saying, I like alcohol. <laughs> <laughs> drinking oh, is fun. So it's all these alcoholics being taunted by people who've never had a drink in their lives. Yo, that's the worst. Uh, and, you know, these 12-year-old kids then uh, being, you know, beaten up and murdered on Zoom. So it's all full circle. <laughs> yeah. Oh, we found a way to deal with it. And just while we're talking on Zoom, my Zoom game show in action will be premiering on the Props Network this Monday. I had a lot of fun putting it together. I actually worked with the Zoom system a lot. I was very impressed with it. So if you like me, check that out. I'll be retweeting it, or you could go to the Props Network feed. It's putting a little money in my pocket, so I would appreciate your support. I uh, are you gonna have like a Zoom background? Zoom background is a big deal. Your background says a lot about you, obviously. Um, you need to have the latest Mac. I got my my Mac is a year and a half old, so I can't do it, unfortunately. Oh, that's a bummer. Okay. Yeah. Oh well. Oh well. You, you live and you learn. Yeah, I bought well, a computer. Yeah. I bought a computer too late. I bought my stocks too early. I can't do anything right, Maddie. It's okay. Things are gonna turn around eventually. Are things going to turn around? Because former Labor Secretary Robert Reich says that we're get, the unemployment rate is going to be far worse than the Great Depression. I believe that to be true. I mean, it already it has to be already. I mean, it already has to be. I know so many people that have tried to call the unemployment office in New York. They can't get through. Millions of people are un being unemployed. I mean, within a day, you know, with like a, literally a snap of a finger, millions of people lost jobs. There's no way it's not unemployment. What did it peak during the Great Depression at 25%? I think it was 24.5% is when the when it peaked in the Great Depression. It's going to be up to the mid-30s, if not near 40%, I would imagine. Yeah, it's tough times, but... You know, that's why you got to throw yourself into Zoom talk shows for a hundred bucks. That's why you got to do Hold My Bread with your friend, Maddie. Just stay busy and you won't fall into the Great Depression within ourselves. That's right. Don't let the Great Depression define you. Don't let, don't let the Great Depression come from inside. Remember, money is just a concept. As long, you, 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 don't, you steal your food, steal your shelter, just join the rent strike and eat some clam chowder from a can. That's, That's right. what you deserve. I don't know, though. That was Captain Ron's number one rule was don't eat clams from a can. Don't eat clam can, can clams. And we're talking about telecommuting. How was your Zoom show tonight? You did stand up over Zoom. I did a uh, well, it was actually on Instagram live. Um, Remy Casimir, uh, I did her show. It was fun. I don't, I mean, it's definitely obviously not even close to the real thing. I, I, it's hard to, there's no laughs. There's not, there's no laughs. So I was just kind of telling my jokes and, uh, I, I read back through the chat and there were some people that had some nice things to say. Um, I had a nice talk with Remy afterwards. That was probably my favorite part. Honestly, was just kind of getting to riff with her and, and talk to her. That was fun. Um, but I think it was good. It was a nice, you know, it felt good to do something, um, not comedy, obviously, but, or not stand-up comedy, obviously, but 
it felt very nice to do something creative and to try and write and you know work out a few ideas I had. I, I took an edible uh, I took an edible this this afternoon and I kind of riffed about that. It was it was fun. It was nice. Yeah, well, I mean, it, it it is fine to do these comedies over like digital platforms, but there's nothing to do with like the post show high. You know, doing stand up, you talk to some audience members, you riff with the comics afterwards, you go out to eat, you have a nice ride home. Here, it's like you finish a Zoom show. It's like, all right, I'll go back to the couch. Oh, exactly. Fuck. I, I'm already on the couch. Yeah, I built a little set. I had a nice little set. Uh, I put some props in the background. Uh, it was nice. Well, I'm glad you had such a lovely time, baby. It was good. I was glad I did it. So uh, it's definitely not the future of comedy, but it is definitely a uh, a nice change of uh, from doing no comedy to that. I will take it. It's not the future of comedy, but it's future of the last few weeks. Yeah, it is going to be the future for the next couple of uh, weeks, hopefully. Uh, hopefully not months, but next few weeks at least. All right. Well, Maddie, anything to plug? I uh, I don't think I have anything. Um, nothing to plug. Follow me on Instagram, MattBackerSucks. Follow us on Instagram and hold my bread. Um, yeah, I don't really have much coming up. I'm, I'm just putting up putting up photos and stuff when I can. And uh, maybe I'll put it some stand-up on my Instagram. I'm not really sure. So I'm just kind of taking it day by day. What about you? Cool. Well, um, watch out for an action on the Props Network. I think it drops Monday. Uh, they're trying to do some things with it. If it happened, that might if the good things happen, it might be delayed by a day or two. But it's done. It's a good product, and I think it'll get become something really cool really quickly. Yeah, it's a good idea. I'm excited to see it, and uh, I'll definitely we'll post it on our Instagram. I'll post it on my personal Instagram. It's a cool idea, and I'm excited. Yeah, we have pe- basically we have one contestant on for like a 15 minute show we make four games geared towards them we had like we had casey Selengo on and we had like all rob gronkowski related stuff for him we had courtney mcginnis on we did some washington redskins stuff with her it was a great time and i so think are you, you guys only gonna do, are you only gonna do football or are you gonna do basketball at, at some point yeah whatever someone likes we'll tailor it to them like if someone likes sneakers we'll do one on sneakers if someone's a foodie we'll do it on like food trends of the of the past decade so there you can adapt it to anybody i'm happy with the format and if you're listening please don't steal my idea yeah please don't well that's our show you guys stay safe uh we're sorry about amarin and please have a heart attack so we can recoup some of our investment yeah. Oh, and also stay away from Zantac. Don't fuck with Zantac. We're going to talk about drugs. Zantac, no good. It causes cancer. I saw that today. All right. Well, there That's you it. go. Don't have heartburn, but have a heart attack. Exactly. If you're going to have one, if you're going to have heart problems, go all the way. That's what I say. Yeah. No Zantac is no pussyfooting. That's right. No pussyfoot. That's the number one rule. All right, Joel. It's good talking to you. I'll talk to you later. All right. Later, brother. Bye.